The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. Well, we're now up to day 28 of the federal government shutdown, and this federal issue is becoming more of a state issue as well in Massachusetts. Um, Katie Lannon's here, as are Colin Young and Matt Murphy. Hi, folks. Hey, Hello. Sam. Hey, Sam. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to Colin and Matt in just a moment. But Katie, uh, you were covering this week the government shutdown. There was a big rally yesterday in front of the State House, which we can talk about, calling for an end to the shutdown with lots of federal government workers. But um, what did Governor Baker have to say about how this might impact programs in Massachusetts? Yeah, we heard from the governor earlier in the week before that rally even happened. Um, and that's when he, he gave his kind of Shakespearean-inspired comment where his pox is on all the House. He wants all sides to, to recognize that you don't get what you want every time in government to, to step up and come to the table and deal with it and find a solution and get the government open again. His biggest concern, he said, has to do with SNAP benefits, food stamps. Um, they're going to be issuing February benefits early, but the concern um, some advocacy groups have raised is that it stretches much longer. March will be a question. So the governor said he's talked to people on both sides of this issue and that he's also been talking to to lawmakers here and other governors about trying to find a way to have what he described as some kind of unusual unemployment program in place for those furloughed workers and those who are called into work without pay. Now, interestingly, this comes after he earlier this month signed an unemployment bill that would extend benefits to workers who are locked out, another group of folks unable to work. Uh, from National Grid, right? That's right. The the National Grid lockout bill, though it's broader than that one particular dispute. Sure. And Steve Tolman, the president of the Mass AFL-CIO, at that rally yesterday in front of the building, drew a parallel between that private sector lockout and this uh, public sector furlough. That's right. Steve Tolman, he was very fired up. He, you know, invoked that lockout and said the president was having a hissy fit saying this isn't the way things should be going in America. And that's a sentiment we heard from other lawmakers and elected officials and and union folks who were there as well. Um, There were about two dozen lawmakers there. Treasurer Deb Goldberg offered up some very fiery commentary, um, saying the president has no human decency. And, you know, of course, the workers who are affected are sharing their own stories of frustration. We heard of an instance where a mom who's a federal worker was negotiating to pay for after-school programs and her, her daughter came and brought her savings out of her bedroom to offer to help pay her own, the child's savings. Right. Another worker who, who needed a loan and was applying for one but couldn't get the government documents they needed. Um, and a family in Worcester who commutes to Boston for their federal jobs pays $800 a month for commuting and child care and they're not getting paid as they continue to work. So there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different stories and frustrations being shared right now. Sure, and uh, there are some bills being filed here at the state level to try to um, alleviate some of these situations, right? That's right. We saw one from a senator now, Diana Desaglio, that would pay Coast Guard workers, and I think this is a an area too where where people are interested in helping out. They're assuring the workers that they're congressional delegation and state lawmakers here on their side. So I think this is an area where if it does go on, uh, continue in, a, in an impasse, we could see some legislative action of some kind. All right. Thanks, Katie. 
Well, happy Friday, and and this Friday does mark the legislature's bill filing deadline for this session, and it comes just ahead of the AFC championship coming up this Sunday. So as we get ready for the uh, Pats-Chiefs game, uh, we were also seeing a number of legislative proposals come in dealing with uh, the debate over sports betting in Massachusetts. Uh, with Governor Baker and, and various lawmakers putting forward their own proposals for how to legalize sports wagering in Massachusetts. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Murphy, can you remind us why this is an issue here and, and explain? Uh, let's start with uh, the governor. What does he want to do with all this? Yeah, thanks, Sam. Well, you're right. The uh, Pats taking on the Chiefs uh, this weekend out in Kansas City, and I think the spread in that game is about three points in favor of Kansas City. But if you live in Massachusetts, you can't bet on that game, at least not yet. Uh, and the governor put forward his proposal uh, to legalize sports betting in Massachusetts this week after the Supreme Court uh, back in May ruled that uh, the national prohibition on sports betting outside of Nevada and a select number of other places was unconstitutional basically opening up uh, sports betting to states if they wanted to take part. And the governor thinks that it could be time for Massachusetts to get in on this. And he put forward a plan that would let the Gaming Commission uh, take over the regulation of sports betting. And they would be uh, authorized to issue licenses to the existing casinos, so MGM Springfield, uh, if the Wynn Encore uh, Boston Harbor Casino opens in Everett, uh, and the Plain Ridge uh, Slots Parlor. Uh, would all be eligible for sports betting licenses. And in addition to that, he also proposed to allow online uh, mobile platforms like DraftKings, uh, which is a local company, or others like FanDuel to offer sports betting. Uh, And there would be taxes. He would take the estimated $35 million and direct that into local aid. uh, And it would open up a, a whole new industry and put us a bit on competitive footing with a number of other states who are considering similar moves. But there are a number of other proposals, as we mentioned, from Senator Brendan Crichton from Lynn and uh, from Representative Brad Hill from Ipswich. Fill us in on some of the differences between those. Yeah, that's right. You mentioned the bill filing deadline for timely filed legislation today on Friday. And uh, a number of uh, members were getting in and putting forward proposals to, to kind of kickstart this debate. And Senator Crichton has won, unlike Governor Baker's proposal, which limits betting to just professional sports. Uh, Senator Crichton proposing uh, similarly to let the Gaming Commission license sports betting at casinos and, and online. But uh, he would allow betting on collegiate games as well. Uh, the only thing that he would prohibit is betting on Massachusetts universities. So no college sports in Massachusetts. You'd have to keep your bets on the Minuteman or the Huskies uh, for when you're out in Las Vegas or or even in Rhode Island. Matt, so were you surprised to see a sports wagering proposal come out of Baker's office? I was a little bit surprised that Baker, uh, that the governor got out in front of this issue and came out so early in the session uh, after he filed a a criminal justice bill, the first bill that he filed of his second term. This was the second major piece of legislation that he's announced. And so that did surprise me a little. But talking to some people uh, in the industry, uh, they weren't necessarily so surprised that the governor might want to get out in front and at least put a marker down on this issue, especially given what's going on in Rhode Island. Uh, Our neighbor obviously uh, got into the sports betting game very quickly after the Supreme Court ruled, and uh, they've had some trouble. Uh, The the rollout of sports betting didn't exactly go as planned. They have not experienced the revenue growth that they thought they were going to get. And now you see people like the Senate president, 
down in Rhode Island uh, rushing at the start of this new session to try and update their law and move into the mobile sports betting uh, space, which they had uh, exempted or prohibited in their first round, and, and they recognized the folly of that move. So I think the governor's uh, perhaps talking to some other of his colleagues who have looked into this issue, and he's, he's trying to get out in front and, and do this the way that he thinks is going to work and do it right the first time. Sure. Colin? Yeah, that, Matt, uh, brings up exactly what I was going to point out, which was that in Rhode Island, the law doesn't, uh, as of right now, allow for mobile sports betting, uh, which uh, Charlie Baker's proposal would allow. Uh, I spent some time in Rhode Island over uh, the Christmas holiday there, and I can tell you from watching TV uh, in Rhode Island yeah. uh, for a few hours on Christmas night, uh, there were plenty of ads. You know, uh, the only place in New England to bet on your team's come to Rhode Island, the only place to legally bet on sports in New England, sure. come to Rhode Island. They own the market around here. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting because a, a lot of people think that this mobile piece is really the crux of this whole debate. Uh, the governor said uh, in an interview on WGBH uh, later in the week after he filed his proposal that he modeled his bill on what New Jersey did. And uh, according to DraftKings, just in New Jersey alone, uh, they accounted for 63% of the sports total amount of money wagered on sports uh, during the first six months of sports betting in that state. So a huge amount of business taking place online and not necessarily in person. And, uh, you know, not everyone agrees. Rep Cullinane uh, has filed legislation that would require uh, what some people call tethering, uh, forcing sites like DraftKings uh, to contract with, say, a casino like MGM uh, and operate that way. But this this will be a big part of the debate moving forward. Okay, and and all these bills filed so far that we've been talking about uh, would all place control of uh, legal sports betting under the Mass Gaming Commission, uh, which right now oversees uh, uh, casinos, the slots parlor. Uh, now, Colin, we had some big Gaming Commission news this week uh, with a new chair of the commission. Uh, the governor sent someone from his own office over there to, to run the uh, Gaming Commission. Yeah, that's right. Kathy Judd Stein is going to take over next month as chair of the Mass Gaming Commission. Uh, she is currently working uh, in the governor's office as his uh, deputy chief legal counsel, uh, and she's a, a, a real veteran of state government. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Karen Polito described Judd Stein as one of the administration's quote, go to people for complicated things. Uh, and as of right now, the Gaming Commission uh, is certainly the home of a lot of complicated things. Huh, well said. So she'll certainly have her work cut out for her there. Um, but in in uh, in appointing her as chair of the Gaming Commission, uh, Charlie Baker pointed to her legal expertise, uh, what he called an impeccable work ethic, uh, said that Kathy Judd Stein is a fair thinker and someone who's not afraid to raise difficult questions along the way. Uh, he said that since she's been working for his office since 2015, uh, a lot of her work has revolved around, quote, big, complicated issues. Um, so certainly uh, slotting her uh, into a, a role in which she'll have to deal with a lot of complicated issues. Sure. Did she have anything to say about sports betting this week? Uh, not exactly. She was asked about uh, the prospect of legalizing sports betting um, when she was announced as the next chair. And this was before the governor's announcement that he would be filing a sports betting bill. Uh, but she really declined to comment. She said that the Gaming Commission um, uh, goes about things in a transparent and open way, but that she would want to uh, really touch base with everyone already working on these issues at the commission before she commented on it. Uh, but certainly, uh, 
the governor talked to us uh, uh, Friday morning a little bit more about his sports betting proposal, and as he put it, um, as he described it rather, uh, it would be up to the gaming commission to determine if going ahead with with legal sports wagering is is the right thing to do. Uh, and now the governor has his own handpicked uh, chairperson leading that commission. Uh, so certainly, I would think that uh, if Charlie Baker wants to go ahead with sports betting regulations, the gaming commission would follow suit. Interesting to point out too, Sam, that you know I, I got a text. Uh, around the time that the governor was uh, announcing uh, Kathy Judstein as his pick for the gaming commission from someone in the administration who was uh, touting the fact that she was also an ethics attorney and was uh, the administration's go-to person for ethics and conflict of interest questions uh, that, that arise from time to time in the administration. And uh, Colin knows as, as good as, as anyone, uh, especially after Steve Crosby had to resign over uh, you know some questions of, of conflict of interest with Wynn and others that this is of particular importance at this point in time for the Gaming Commission. Yeah, Colin, I was going to ask, what might the pick of uh, Judd Stein portend for uh, the Wynn investigation? How might that play into things? Yeah, well, she'll um, really start uh, driving the bus on that one uh, going forward. The commission is in really sort of a holding pattern now since a judge out in Nevada has put a temporary hold on the commission using any of the uh, uh, documents or information that Steve Wynn has sued over. Uh, The judge has said that the Gaming Commission can't make those part of its report uh, while this lawsuit is still ongoing. but certainly the fact that Kathy Judstein's background is in ethics and conflict of interest uh, certainly makes it um, all that much more interesting that she'll be uh, chairing the commission that's going to have to decide what to do about um, the allegations against Steve Wynn and then what to do with the casino license that Wynn Resorts holds for Everett. Now, Colin, we, we heard from the treasurer, Deb Goldberg, at her inauguration uh, earlier this week about her plans for modernizing the lottery, moving into online lottery, and if sports betting becomes legal in Massachusetts, how will that affect uh, her plans? That's a great question, Sam, and it really remains to be seen. Uh, Deb Goldberg has been pushing for the last couple of years uh, to get the legislature to authorize the Massachusetts lottery to sell its existing products online. Um, She's made the case that, uh, especially uh, to be able to capture new and young players, the lottery needs to modernize, needs to be online, can't be a cash-only business anymore. Um, So again, like you mentioned, uh, the treasurer brought that up during her inaugural address this week, uh, and she's previously said that if the state's going to consider legalizing sports betting, that the legislature also at the same time needs to consider uh, online lottery. I think it's interesting that the governor's proposal uh, would send revenues from sports betting to local aid. Uh, all lottery profits go towards local aid as well. So the fact that the governor is uh, is directing sports betting revenue to local aid, I wonder if that's a uh, sort of a a bit of an acknowledgement that the lottery could take a hit if there are other forms of gaming expanded in Massachusetts. Sure, sure. Some potential uh, competition on the horizon. Exactly. Meantime, though, in any case, uh, Gaming Commission back at full strength. Yeah, that's right. They're back up to uh, five members now, or they they will be next month once uh, Kathy Judstein takes her seat. All right. Thanks, Colin. Hey, thanks a lot, Sam. uh, Have a great weekend, folks. Hey, go Pats. Takeout can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. If you like Takeout and are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It helps other listeners find us. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.